1: At Freedom Mortgage, freedom means helping veterans use their homes for better living. Whether that be through refinancing your mortgage, accessing cash through your home's equity, or helping you purchase a new home, making home financing a custom fit. That's freedom. Visit freedommortgage.com forward slash VA to learn more. Freedom Mortgage Corporation, NMLS number 2767, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org, 951 Yamato Road, Boca Raton, Florida, 33431, 800-220-3333, licensed in all 50 states. For complete licensing information, visit www.freedommortgage.com forward slash state dash licensing, equal housing opportunity.
2: Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months, all year round. So order your filtry air filters today at filtry.com. Let's clear the air.
3: What's going on, Gang? This is Darren Sproles here. I just want to thank you all for tuning in to Eagle's Brawl, the Brawl Network. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating.
2: Fly, Eagles, fly.
0: This is a Brawl Network production. You're listening to the Eagles Brawl Podcast.
1: E-A-G-L-E-S,
0: Eagles! Here to take you on the road to victory, it's Connor Miles, Ed Cross, Johnny Page, and Tyler Steege.
3: It's showtime here at Eagles Brawl of the Brawl Network. However you're tuning in right now, you're on Facebook Live, Periscope, Twitch, or YouTube. We greatly appreciate it. Of course, as always, our Eagles insider, Ed Cross, joins the show. Ed, a lot of injuries as usual, man. Typical Philadelphia Eagles style. Nothing but injuries. Greg Ward looks like he's going to be the wide receiver one uh, this this upcoming Sunday Uh, once again. We're this early, though, last year it took about halfway through the midseason to finally rely on Greg Ward. Now it's it's week four, and we're, we're going out there, and it's Greg Ward's team. What what do we think about the wide receiver position right now? Because the biggest debate that's going on, and I'm sure a lot of the comments are going to start rolling in here, is if Howie Rosen did enough at the wide receiver position this offseason. And I, I see both sides of this argument. Let's just say that both sides can be right. Uh, they added Goodwin in the draft. I. They took a while to add wide receivers. They missed out on Hopkins. They missed out on Diggs. Again, they were in no position to take on large contracts, as you know, and as I know. I think that's mostly why they avoided those guys, and then plus the compensation it took to get them. You probably don't get Slay then either if you get one of those guys. But then the Eagles wait till the draft to finally start adding to the wide receiver, corps course, to get that Marquise Goodwin in the trade from the 49ers, to go ahead and get Rager, John Hightower – and then get Quez Watkins in the building as well. They added to the wide receiver position, but I think people think they didn't do enough. I think there's a debate there for sure. Because again, like I just stated, the Eagles waited that deep into the offseason to really start touching the wide receiver's corpse. I'm wondering what your thoughts on that. What, do you think that Hire is did enough to the wide receiver's corpse this offseason? Does he get, or does he doesn't deserve a pass?
0: Well, I mean, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. 20 Clearly, I thought they did enough at, you know, given their limitations in the salary cap, they couldn't like go out and get digs, like you said, or um, uh, Hopkins. I mean, they were just probably a little too pricey for them. And then that would have impacted Mm -hmm. other parts of the, of the payroll. I mean, I guess you could say, and there were people that thought this and I was one of them that they would probably go one, two, and maybe three at the receiver position in the draft because it was so deep. And uh, you know, they didn't do that. They, they took a couple guys late that you could argue, like John Hightower may have gone in the third round, but because of the depth of, of this draft at that position, uh, he, he lasted until the fifth round. Um, but yeah, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. At the time, I thought, okay, they drafted three guys. You could say, well, one was a fifth and one was a sixth, but maybe they would have been a third, fourth, or fifth had the draft been not so deep. Um, and then Marcus Goodwin, they, they traded for him. I know he's been banged up, but you know, hasn't been able to stay healthy, like Deshaun Jackson, who now is injured again, Um, Goodwin's the same way. But I thought those four guys, I mean, they brought four guys in. Uh, You know, you would think that would be enough. Uh, You could argue the quality of of those players. But, um, (laughs) you know, now here we are a month into the season, and and it doesn't look like enough. So uh, things have really changed.
3: Yeah, I mean, and Dakota brought it up, a good point right here. The draft team. I don't think they're they can't draft the wide receiver position to save their lives. Anyways, I think Jalen Rager is going to be a fine player. I truly believe that. I was very high on him coming out. I think the Eagles got it right with him. But other than that, I mean, John Hightower looks way looks a way more polished receiver than JJ White side does if you watch the film. John yeah. Hightower's route running is incredibly crisp. But other other than that, I mean, Mac Collins, Josh Huff, Shelton Gibson, Jordan Matthews. Nelson Aguilar, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Now they 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 can't draft the wide receiver position well. Ed, I think that's the biggest issue right here, and the biggest disconnect between this front office and this coaching staff is they can't address the wide receiver position to fit what the what the offense needs, what the personnel needs. I mean, you and I both know you're in that locker room. You hear from players on this team. I think it's clear as day to you. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside does not fit this offense. Does not fit Carson Wentz as a quarterback.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you say I'm in the locker room. I'm not, I'm not, unfortunately nobody's in the locker room. Well, yeah, but um, you were there last year. I, I, I think know, you- I know, but it, it's tough when you're not in the locker room because you can't get players one-on-one. You can't get, you know, kind of take the real pulse of the team when you can talk to a player, uh, you know, by himself at his locker, you know, we're, we're on the zoom calls and, you know, there's 30 people on these calls and everybody's talking to the same player at the same time. So you're not getting anything extra. Um, but Yeah, I mean, clearly, if you just – and look, I I thought Ortega-Whiteside had a good camp. I mean, a lot of people did, and, you know, there's just a disconnect there when he takes the field, how his production is. I mean, to me, it looks like, he you know, he's doubtful for Sunday night. Uh, He got hurt prior to the game against the Bengals somehow. He may have played his last game in Philadelphia. I don't know. I mean, Quez Watkins is – I think going to be active for this game Sunday night. They have Eagles have until four o'clock Saturday to uh, activate him from the IR. They have an opening, I believe with Jalen Rager uh, spot being available. I, I, yep. So, I mean, they could do that. Um, but again, you're right. The Eagles have a hard time identifying receiver talent. Um, they could have taken, uh, Antonio Brown's cousin last year, Marcus Brown, Hollywood Brown. Mm -hmm. Uh, Instead, they went with Dillard and the Ravens took Brown. I know he's had some injuries, but I think he's doing okay. Certainly giving them a little bit of production. Uh, He looks good this season, that's for sure. Yeah, right. And so you better hope that they got it right with Jalen Rager. I mean, he's their first round pick. He was taken in a stacked receiver draft. We've seen them swing and miss in the great running back class of a couple years ago the great defensive tackle class of a year or so ago. So, I mean, they've missed in these deep positional drafts before, and you hope they didn't do it again at receiver.
3: I don't believe they did at receiver at least, but I don't think it's enough. That's the thing. I think you need at least two contributed wide receivers to this team. But I, I like John Hightower a lot. I don't think that he's a yeah. starting wide receiver. I think he's the guy that could fill a role on this team, maybe wide receiver four. But the thing about it is Marquise Goodwin wasn't that great. In the first place, I don't think that would have been a huge upgrade for the Eagles. I don't think he wins or loses games for this team if he's playing for them this season. I still think you're having a wide receiver issue regardless because he's never had a besides the speed and then that one outliner season in San Francisco when he was the only receiving option there. He's never been that good and he's never, like you said, he hasn't been proven to stay healthy. So. But when I look at what they could have possibly done wide receiver, it's not much, anyways. After you look at the DeAndre Hopkins going to Arizona and Stephon Diggs going to Buffalo, I think that's where a lot of the frustration comes from from the fans, as they see those guys elevating the quarterback play because Kyler Murray's on another level, and so Josh Allen is definitely on another level right now. I think that's where the fans come in and say, you know, this is this team needs to add that number one wide receiver for Carson once. It's just there's too many voices in the in in the pot. I think Ed, I think that's the issue. I think that's what we're trying to finally identify is that. When you have a Joe Douglas, when you have a Howie Roseman, when you have a Jim Schwartz making all the personnel decisions on defense, when you have Doug Peterson wanting something this way and it's not happening that way, it's too many too many things in there. They need to just clear that out and have one personnel decision maker say, "This is what we need. I need to get the coaching staff." and get on the same page as them is what they need me to evaluate, what kind of talent they need to fit in their systems. Because too many times that we've heard when the Eagles draft a player or they bring a player in, oh, it turns out he doesn't fit the system or he doesn't look like he's a fit for the system. And that's a clear disconnect right there. So I'm just curious because we ran a poll on Twitter and he got a, almost 400 votes and it was astounding results. Uh, the question was, would you even care if the Eagles outright released Sega White whiteside right now? And 82% said no. And now we're talking about a second-round pick that's, uh, I want to say, 19 games into his career, and we're talking about that we don't care. 82% of Philadelphia fans don't care if the Eagles outright release J.J. Arcego-Whiteside. Are you on that page now? Or are you just saying, you know what, move on, see what you have in Burnett, see what you have in Travis Fulgham, see what you have in Quez Watkins, give these guys the opportunity the snaps that you're giving J.J. White whiteside because this is not working.
0: Yeah, uh, Listen, I. It's hard to give up on a second round pick. I understand the frustration, and that result is, you know, not surprising at all. I'm surprised it wasn't like 98 instead yeah. of 82 percent, to be honest. But I think people um,
3: are, care what you about your what you're saying in the beginning. I think they care. That's a second round pick. That's a waste of a second round pick.
0: Yeah, and you look at how these bad picks. You know, the Eagles only had five picks in each of the drafts in 2018 and 2019. Now they had 10 this past draft, but you know, these bad picks are adding up. You know, that's a second-round pick gone on our Sega White side. They, they already cut Sharif Miller, who was a fourth-round pick in that class, and they only had five. So that's two of your five guys have already flushed out. Um, and then, you know, you look at uh, – there's some other bad picks that in that draft too that haven't helped them. And, you know, these bad dr- drafts eventually catch up to you. Look at 2017, complete washout. Um, you know, these bad drafts catch up, and, and now we're seeing that. The Eagles don't have the salary cap room to go out and cover up their mistakes in the draft. They needed some cheap, controllable talent to come out of those two pick, those two drafts when they only had five picks in each of them. Um, now ten picks gives you a little more margin for error. Um, I think it's a good draft class. I, I, you know, I still, it's easy again hindsight. You question taking a quarterback in the second round who's not going to help. You take a, a very, very raw linebacker. Uh, in the third round, Davion Taylor. Um, you know, maybe you should have taken somebody that could help you this year instead of pointing to twenty twenty two or whenever these guys can see the field on a full time basis. Um, bad drafts have a way of catching you, and and they have caught up to the Eagles so far. They caught up to them big time. But yeah. we'll segueing into this next segment
3: because Dakota asked, this pretty much. Evolves around how the Eagles replace Dallas Goddard because I think that is just flying under the radar. Such a huge, pivotal part of the receiving yeah. game. Second best option in the receiving game for this team. He's gone now. Uh, from what it sounds like, from what you're hearing from my hearing, he tore a bone off his ligament, off his ankle, to the broken ankle, so it might not be him back in four to six weeks. It might be a little bit longer than that. His season is in jeopardy. Where do they go from here? We're producing because Richard Rogers. I think that's gonna. I think that's a two week thing. I think they'll finally see it. this is just not working out. He's not a very contributed type player. They need to see what they have in a uh, Jason Kroon, who they brought in on the practice squad. Uh, they're trying with Hakeem Butler, which is what Dakota's question is: Is does Hakeem Butler get snaps at Z this week due to injuries? Don't know why we are putting him at tight end. What does he offer in blocking? I I don't understand why they're putting him at tight end either. And I think that's a complete project and to do an in season project like this, you, you must clearly think you're done. You must clearly think that if we have to do this type of insane and project, it's because we know that this is not going to happen this year and we need to start figuring out pieces that we can move forward with the next year, especially a tight end when, I mean, Zach Gertz might not be here much longer.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he's a tight end in name only at this point. I think if he gets on yeah, the field, he's right. going to line up outside. I think he can get releases from the inside, from that tight end position. But as far as blocking, the guy weighs 228 pounds. Um, didn't really do it much at Iowa State. Uh, we had him on a Zoom call Friday late afternoon, and uh, he said he's been in the playbook. I mean, yeah, he could play uh, some snaps on Sunday night, but I asked him, like, how ready are you to play? Even five, six, seven snaps. I mean, you, you just got here. You really don't know the offense after three days or four days, whatever you had the playbook. I mean, he's going to be limited in what he knows should he play. I mean, he, yeah, maybe you can hit him with a big play because he's big. He's, you know, he's, he's a long, athletic kid. But uh, I just don't see how much he helps Sunday night. Going forward, I think he'll be kind of that hybrid player, the tight end. won't be used too much to block. They might ask him to block once or twice in a run game, but I don't think they would run to his side. Um, but I could see him being a hybrid-type player. Uh, between the tight end and receiver not so much tight end he'll make more of his mark as a as a wide receiver but uh yeah I mean Richard Rodgers you mentioned him um he caught his first pass against the Bengals in two years I mean he hasn't been a part of a game plan in a long time and now you're going to line him up with hurts in your 12 personnel I would think um because even if you don't use 12 personnel you look at your receivers we already talked about they're going to go in with you know, Deontay Burnett, Greg warden and um, uh, John Hightower. I mean, you know, yeah. that, that's your three receivers in the 11 personnel. I mean, your hands are really tied at this point as to what you can do. So you better hope that Richard Rogers can give you something here in the short term um, and hope that he can develop and find the skill set. I mean, he was pretty good in Green Bay for a couple years. Um, yeah. And he's only 28. So you hope that, you know, maybe he can kind of feel his way through this and um, help the Eagles in the short term until they can figure out, you know, who these receivers are going to be. You hope Deshaun Jackson comes back next week against Pittsburgh. And, you, you know, you hope Rager can come back when they say early November, uh, maybe before the bye, but probably not until after the bye. Um, and maybe by then Quez Watkins is playing a role, a little bit more role of a wide receiver. So you hope Rodgers is only a short-term guy, can figure it out for these next couple of weeks. Because really, what are your options, Connor? I mean, what what are they?
3: Oh, I'm just—it's—it's uh, it's rough, man. Because I don't even think we, even when Deshaun Jackson comes back, when's the next time he gets hurt? Yeah. I mean, the way that they're conditioning him, they begged for that to happen. The yeah. the, the pitch count, the snap count, the not practicing much, and then trying to work him hard in the second halves—that you you asked for that to happen right there. I don't—I'm not really trusting his conditioning for the rest of the year as is. I think at this point, if they lose to San Francisco, Ed, blow it all up, see what you have in Deontay Burnett. See what you have in Travis Folham. See what you have in Hakeem Butler. See what you have in Jason at tight end. Because I, I honestly, man, I'm not that faithful in Richard Rodgers. I know he did have those Green Bay seasons. I think Aaron Rodgers had a lot to play with that. Because ever since he's left, he's
0: been afterfall. He's been a blocking tight end ever yeah. since he left Green Bay. Uh, well, you know, if that goes wrong, though, Connor, then everybody's going to blame Wentz. I mean, they don't care who he's throwing to uh, because the quarterback gets all the blame and all the credit. I think, you must yeah. Blame Wentz. Any favors if you blow it all up?
3: I know, but I don't. I, I think the Philadelphia Eagles organization feels different about Carson Wentz than the fans and the media does. Anyways, I, I think he's safe in their eyes no matter what because they understand like this is really bad. Like, the situation is not good. We lose to San Francisco. We lose to Nick Mullins, and he puts up a lot a good a good game against us. We need to start looking at ourselves in the mirror and start thinking, you know, this team isn't it. We're not going to compete. Even if we do win this division, we're one and done. How good is that going to be? Is, do we accept that? Is this the new norm? We go into the wild card game and win one, lose right away with a under 500 record to win this division because it's that bad? I mean, I think you really have to self-evaluate this team at the, if they lose to San Francisco on Sunday night and say, look, this isn't it. I mean, these guys... If you want to talk about injury excuses for us, they don't have their starting quarterback. They don't have their best pass rusher. They don't have their best corner. And they still came in. I mean, they still handled us pretty well. Then you really got to start evaluating. Then you start to say, look, we're 0-3-1. Not looking good. We got Pittsburgh coming up. We got Baltimore coming up. Let's see what we have with these young guys because we got to figure out next year because there's going to be a lot of changes this offseason. And I think Mark says it well himself. I think they need to evaluate Howie. He can hold them back with his drafting decisions and et cetera. I think you just need to accept the spades of spade. I don't fire Harry Roseman completely because this cap situation next year, if I'm asking a new GM to come into this cap situation, I'm already telling him right now, you're probably going to fail. This probably isn't going to work out for you. Hope for the best. Let's we'll see what you got. But this is not a favorable position to be in. If you're going to get a new GM and then you're going to get rid of Harry Roseman completely, I probably do it in 2021 rather. I mean, excuse me, the year after than I do it this all season. I think I sit it. I, if I'm Jeffy e. Lurie, I sit down with this team. I realize how he is great at contracts, good at negotiating. Put him back in that role. Put him back in that role. Tell him this is it. Once and for all, if you want to work for the Philadelphia Eagles organization, you stick to this role or that's it. And then you bring in personnel guy. I think you just stick with the personnel guy. You bring him in. Lewis Riddick, you give him the GM title. I think, that's what you, I think that's what this team should do at this point. I think he can make better personal decisions. I think he can connect with Doug Peterson more. He speaks highly of Doug Peterson every chance he gets. He's worked with this organization before. He knows what Philadelphia fans expect. You get him to make all the player to personal
0: decisions, I think you're turning this team in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, Howie has a – Jeffrey Lurie has a great relationship with Howie. It's the old father-son relationship mm-hmm. dynamic. Howie's been here for 20-some years with Jeffrey. Um, so I don't – see them just flushing him right out of the organization. I agree with you. I think he has a useful purpose uh, in the salary cap and, you know, contracts and and things like that. But um, yeah, I mean, you have to take a hard look at Howie and see what some of these personnel decisions have brought you, uh, which isn't much. I mean, they haven't, I mean, now this draft class might save him. I don't know. I think it's time really. And I said this last week, I think that I think you got to start seeing what some of these rookies can do, you know, let's see the linebackers. Let's see. Bradley and maybe Taylor and Kevon Wallace and, um, you know, Jack Driscoll. I mean, listen, Jeffrey, you know, Jason Peters is questionable for Sunday night at left tackle. If he doesn't play, who, who's your left tackle? If he plays and can't play all 80 snaps or whatever they're going to play, if he's hobbling in and out, who comes in for him? I mean, is it Driscoll? I mean, he's the rookie, but he played the right tackle spot. For Lane Johnson in the opener, can he play left tackle? Is it Jordan Mulata? Um, You know, I think that they really sh- – is it Prince Tega Wanagahu who's on the practice squad? He took a couple – I was at practice during the week, and he took a couple reps at that left tackle spot. To me, you need to place – you need to look at these rookies, get a better feel on Howie and how this draft class might turn out because right now we saw what the 2017 class did, not good. We've seen some releases already in the 2018 and 2019 classes. Um, It's probably time to move on. But will Jeffrey pull the trigger on that and bring in a personnel guy? I don't know. He pulled the trigger on Andy Reid when the two of them were very close. But he did give Reid that extra year after they won their last four games in 2011 to finish uh, 8-8. He
3: he did give Howie the extra year too, though. That's why I think. I, I don't know. Or mm-hmm. crashing here. I uh, I don't know. They gave Howie the extra year, 2019 draft. Because uh, again, Joe Douglas wasn't a part of the 2019 draft. He got picked up by the Jets by then, correct? Am I, yeah, I he think was part right the 17
0: then. draft, and then he left after 17 after they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, but, I mean the 2019 draft though. He was that was all Howie, right? Yeah, and his his staff that he brought in. Um, yeah. So
3: and then you're looking at that draft, and uh, besides Miles Sanders. Not looking too hot right there either. So that's why I think you gave him that one last chance. I do think that this draft is going to be, I think they're going to get these contributors for the 2020 draft. Absolutely. I think Rager's going to be the guy that'd be the Z. I think Hightower is going to be a contributor. We'll see what we have in Walkins. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Jalen Hurts' pick is, like you said, is really coming into play, how it's screwing up the organization right now. But uh, Nick on Twitch says, I think they need to bring in an OC. As well, Press Taylor can't have two roles. I mean, I, I've been saying it for for weeks. I think they should bring it into their seat now. I think Jay Gruden in Jacksonville-Clean's house would probably be a good guy to help dug out of his rut uh, with adjustments. So maybe even a Mike McDaniel uh, with San Francisco this weekend. I think I would look and see how they run the ball this weekend uh, under Mike McDaniel and have an eye on him for offensive coordinator now because I'm pretty sure that rule where you can't block interviews is gone now, right? That's that's not a thing anymore. So. Yeah. They can interview him for OC if they wanted to. Yeah, uh, I think
0: that would here, be here's here's the issue with that is you're kind of limiting your OC pool. I mean, what what OC is going to want to come in and not really have any play calling responsibility? Yeah, you can kind of work with the game plan. And If you're um, going to have that come-to-Jesus meeting with Howie,
3: you're going to have to have it with Doug too. You're going to have to say, Doug, we, when we brought you in with 2016, we put the strongest guys around you, and that's when you succeeded your best. And now – People have been plucking these trees, plucking these guys from us, and we haven't had the guys to replace them. And look what's happening with you. We need yeah. to build you back up like we did in 2016 when you first came in here and just accept that that's what you need. You're a great head coach. You coach this team well. You're a great players coach. You reach our locker room extremely well. You, When the game is on the line or like when this, the playbook doesn't go to script, you're kind of falling apart, bud, and we need to get you that Frank Reich-type voice to help you mellow you out a little bit. And I think he just agrees to it. I think after this, how the season's turning out. look at him now, man, he looks like he wants nothing to do with the Eagles at all right now. He don't want nothing to do with this stuff. I mean, even the little, the, it's funny because Jeff seversky tweets out that little uh, video, of Doug getting in with Howie animated with Howie, and then he deletes it uh, moments after too. So I, I don't know. I mean, you look like the, the Doug looks like he's fed up. I mean, maybe this even helps him out a little bit when you bring in, uh, a stronger OC voice to help you out. But yeah, I think you're right. I think that's the thing. Uh, I think that's why Graham Harrell, and maybe Jim Callball are here right now or,
0: is because of that. Right. I, well, I, I think that's mostly why. Yeah. I mean, you look at Reich, he was kind of a reclamation project when they brought him in. He just got fired as the head coach from the chargers. You look at Scandrella who they brought in, he, he was just fired as the OC in Denver. So, I mean, these are guys that, you know, are looking to kind of stay in the game and, and rehabilitate, uh, their resume a little bit. Um, and that's why they took these jobs. So you're not going to bring in a strong voice if he's not going to call plays. And and I'll tell you right now, I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles tried to make him give up play calling Peterson, that is, um, depending on how much of it, he would have to give up. I, I, he might resign over that. I mean, Doug loves to call the plays. He he's been asked about that over all five years. He's been here. I asked him about it most recently, uh, on the play calling, he does not want to give it up. If he gives it up, it's going to be because the front office made him give it up. That's going to be the answer. And if they want him to give up too much of it or all of it, I can see Doug taking a stand and just saying, I'm going to quit and, and he'll resign.
3: Oh, man. That's uh, that's crazy because it's – I mean, that's that's pretty big right there because it that the might come down to that plan. though. It might come down to – I mean, yeah. you're talking about Jeff Lurie though. We, you and I know Jeffrey Leary pretty well. That's that if it's his way or the highway, and if he wants that, yeah. Doug Peterson's gone. I think yeah. at that point, if it gets and, to that point.
0: And, and really, that would be a real blow to Peterson's ego. I don't know if he would be able to take it. I really don't. I I just could see that being kind of the breaking point, and uh, him saying, you know, I'll just move on and go do something else or go coach somewhere else. I mean, there are other teams that would hire Doug Peterson, um, absolutely. So. Uh, It's not like he can just walk away and go coach, you know, the high school football team again, like he did in Louisiana back in the early part part of the century. But uh, I could see it being a real bone of contention for him.
3: Yeah. Another NFL team would hire him to be head coach. The the Jets, which are Douglas, would probably hire him to be head coach. Yeah. Uh, But. I don't want to fire Doug Peterson. I'm not there yet. I'm no, not, I'm not uh, fire him. I'm just saying, if you no, know, I know. I yeah, I yeah. understand what you're saying. I think I, I, think, I think
0: you're right about that. Drawing that that's, stand and saying that's it, man. I'm you take that stuff away from me now. Maybe if they say, well, you know, because Andy let him call plays for like the first half or something when he was in the OC. yeah, well, it, was, it
3: was the first it was the first half. Yeah, yeah.
0: So maybe they say, all right, Doug, look, why don't you let and I don't even know who you'd ask to call plays on this current staff. I mean, you have like five guys with coordinator in their title. Would it be press? Would no, it be nobody. Would I wouldn't ask. I mean, if anybody – if I asked anybody, it would be Jeff Soutland. That's it. That's it. Allen, Not even want, Deuce. A line coach to call plays.
3: Yeah. Well, no, he does the run game coordinator too. I think he does that pretty well when that thing's run, uh, rocking and rolling. He's I, I, a I,
0: head coach, man. I think I'd go good.
3: I, I don't think i trust Deuce. I don't know. I – I, I always question the running back rotation, it seems like, every year. Even when – I always see my question. And then I, I, everybody's quick to say – Doug's quick to say it himself. That's Deuce's call. It's yeah. Deuce. Deuce makes that decision. Yeah. I don't know. I think Jeff Soutland could call. good, But other than that, I – would. I even in, even if Jeff Soutland, I wouldn't choose anybody on the staff. i bring yeah. somebody else. Because Scandarello – uh, what you mentioned earlier, Denver couldn't wait to push him out the door to get <laughs> Pat Trimmer. And Pat Trimmer isn't somebody you get really inspired about either, besides that one outliner season in Minnesota. He's been in an awful OC too. So mm-hmm. I, uh, Scandarello looked bad in Denver last year. And the, the first thing that came out about him was his play designs are great, his play calling's awful. And I'm like, oh, well, I mean, that kind of matches the head coach in Philadelphia. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I, if, if Doug really feels this way, it's going to be tough then. But if you can get, if you can convince him that you to mellow it out, like you're suggesting right now, which infuriates me, because when I went back and evaluated Doug Peterson after when the Eagles hired him in 2016, my biggest thing on him was his run game in the first half of Kansas City with was Charcandrick, and Spencer, Ware. I thought he managed that uh, rushing attack extremely well. There, haven't seen it here. Hey, 2017, maybe. But other than that, I have. It's just not. I. To sit here and say Miles Sanders, Miles Sanders' reason why we're not running him into the ground right now is because of fatigue. Bring another running back in. I mean, you and I already preached about this, but yeah. if you clearly don't trust Boston Scott. Excuse me. You clearly don't trust Boston Scott and Corey Clement to carry the run game if Miles Sanders is fatigued, because you made Carson once overthrow it even more uh, this past Sunday because of the, those reasons. Yeah. Like you said, promote Elijah Holyfield. See what you have in him. Get somebody else in here that can help with the carries. Then, because you don't trust Bosses Scott and Corey Clement clearly to carry the load, if Miles Sanders cannot, you need to yeah. add another running back. Then I thought I was. I thought that you could trust these guys. I thought that you should see what they have in the guys that they have right now. And clearly, I'm wrong about that as well. But the Eagles need to wake up on that. It, they need to lean on the runner a little bit more. And that's I think that's why I've been fo- so laser focused on. Mike Daniel this week is because he can implement those Shanahan zone schemes uh, to get that running game going in Philadelphia, maximize Miles Sanders' full potential. That's why I was thinking that guy to bring in. And then if you could agree with him, because he hasn't been a play caller either, if you can agree with him, hey, Doug Pearson calls the second half, you call the first half, and they come to agreement on that, that's the guy I bring in.
1: At Freedom Mortgage, freedom means helping veterans use their homes for better living. Whether that be through refinancing your mortgage, accessing cash through your home's equity, or helping you purchase a new home, making home financing a custom fit. That's freedom. Visit freedommortgage.com forward slash VA to learn more. Freedom Mortgage Corporation. NMLS number 2767. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. 951 Yamato Road, Boca Raton, Florida. 33431. 800-220-3333. Licensed in all 50 states. For complete licensing information, visit www.freedommortgage.com forward slash state dash licensing. Equal housing opportunity. At Freedom Mortgage, freedom means helping veterans achieve their home financing goals. Whatever freedom means to you, Freedom Mortgage has custom loan options to meet your needs, making home financing a custom fit. That's freedom. Visit freedommortgage.com forward slash VA to learn more. Freedom Mortgage Corporation, MLS number 2767, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org, 951 Yamato Road, Boca Raton, Florida, 33431, 800-220-3333. Licensed in all 50 states. For complete licensing information, visit www.freedommortgage.com forward slash state licensing. Equal housing opportunity.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes no, sense. Again, if Doug agrees to it, I mean, that, <clears throat> that makes sense. It, it's just getting him to agree to it. I mean, he, yeah, you're probably right Though He probably doesn't. I think you're I mean, right. Would about you, that. But would this, you,
3: go ahead. wouldn't cause you asked that question this week, just so everybody does. And I'm sure everybody remembers anyways, that you asked Doug Pearson, that question, but you could tell the way he reacted, not even a thought, not even a thought into that question. He goes, yeah, I wouldn't No. I love it. It's my. Th- I love play calling. It's my thing. That's my passion. Quickly answer yeah. that question. Quickly dispelled your, your question or theory whatsoever. So I think you're right. I think if that came down to that, he would tell Larry, I won a Super Bowl. I took Nick Foles out there. I beat Bill Belichick and Don Brady. I am not relinquishing playing calling. Find somebody else.
0: Yeah. I think you're right about that. I think that's a good theory right there. Even though Nick Foles made the big call of the game when he said, let's go for the Philly And the funny one. thing is,
3: Nick Foles is coming out. I mean –
0: uh, there yeah, has to be contact right, You brought up Nick Foles Let's not even go to Nick Foles Because I know people really are bummed That he's not in town anymore And now he's starting for the Bears let a great comeback Not um, even that I'm sure you got these transcripts as well And you saw
3: him yourself He he credited Reich a lot I know For I mean I know they're playing each other And all that stuff And he has a good relationship with Frank Reich But
0: yeah.
3: That's not the only I mean You have a relationship with this guy back here as well, I've heard a lot about Frank Wright since this whole since he's left. Heard a lot of good things about Frank Wright. And you yourself said on the show, he he really helped Doug Peterson yeah. game plan. He was at his house every day, the game before the game, getting everything together. Doug hasn't had that since.
0: Well, we can blame Josh McDaniel for that. He was the one that was yeah, I know. To take that Colts job, changed his mind, and then they – Reached out to Frank Reich after the Super Bowl, and three days later, he's gone. So, blame Josh McDaniel. Otherwise, maybe Frank's still here. Indianapolis um, oh, did the. You right got to move on from that. I mean, there's no yeah. question. you got to get past that. I mean, this run, getting back to the run game. I've written about that this week. This an, insistence on making Miles Sanders the, you know, the the bell cow here. Um, I know you might not have anybody else, but I just I don't think it's just. And I asked this question too of Deuce yesterday and Doug. Is it sustainable to keep? handing him the ball 75 to 80% of the, uh, you know, playing him all these snaps. I mean, it's not, he already had a hamstring issue to start the year. He has a glute issue that kept him on the side. I mean, how much longer until he's just completely wrecked with injury and he can't carry, you know, carry the ball at all. I mean, you have to find help for him. There's 13 games to go. I mean, if you, if you keep playing him 75, 80% of snaps, he's not going to make it until December. I'll tell you that. They think he will, though. They seem to think he will. I don't I don't know. They I don't know will. why
3: the early results aren't showing you that. So I did think that, though, going into the season. Now I'm kind of with you on this. It's just not happening. He keeps getting hurt. And then the fatigue thing, because he ha, Doug has a point with saying that. I know a lot of people are bashing him, but he does have a point with saying that because a lot during that Cincinnati game, you saw Miles Sanders with his hands on his knees, breathing heavily with his yeah. gasping for air. So I do think there is – I mean, you don't train in training camp. You don't have a real offseason – it's going to show for that type of position, especially running back yeah. this year so yeah. far. In so that
0: game in particular, there was a lot of snaps because of the overtime. You know, they played 91 right. offensive snaps. I mean, that's a lot of snaps, usually yeah. you're closer to 70, 75. But, you know, that overtime really drove the snap count up. And, but you know, even Doug admitted when they went away from the run that it was because Miles was fatigued. And that's why they, they didn't run the ball to start the second quarter. They They dropped back six or seven straight times. Uh, that could have cost them the game. I mean, you run the ball a little bit more. You shorten the clock. I mean, listen, if that's the reason you're not running the ball because your running back is fatigued, then let's get another running back in there. I'll see what you have in Elijah Holyfield because I'm I'm always, like we say
3: it multiple times, fresh legs, fresh legs, go with the fresh legs, see what you have with the fresh legs. Elijah Holyfield has not got that much NFL playing time at all. I would go ahead and see what he has, what he can offer. I know Michael Warren's gone. A, a, A.K. Killings is not ready to – to make a contribution to this team this year. I would see what you have in in, uh, Elijah Holyfield because Jason Huntley is a receiving back. I wouldn't even – this team could use a bruising back like Blunt. We've missed that since 2017. That's why I give Elijah Holyfield. Give him the chance, Dakota. Dakota writes, this team could use a bruising back like Blunt. We've missed that since 2017. Go ahead and try to see what you have in Elijah Holyfield then. I think that's what – and then he says – We had Howard, but of course he's hurt, and of course they weren't going to pay what Miami
0: paid for Jordan Howard. You know, Jordan Howard's not doing anything in Miami. You wonder if he's goal line back. Yeah, I mean he scored three touchdowns. You know, he's that guy on the goal line down inside the five that you can give it to, and he can create some space. But you know, he's not being used. Miami signed him. I mean, do you call and say, "Hey, we'll give you"? conditional pick for him and try to get him back thinking no the money that they gave him was too much. They, they yeah. Know, yeah.
3: They, yeah. That way the money is probably the, I would think would be the hold up there. But I, if I, I'm not even going to trade candidates because I just don't think this team should give away assets right now. I think they should no. see what they have in Elijah Holyfield. Right. Just promote them off the practice squad. You can get contributions off practice squad running backs. You just have to give them the chance. Agreed. But let's move on. Cause corner Vontae Maddox is probably gonna be out for one to two weeks. Uh, Trevor Williams is already out, which the guy barely has played football, and he's already hurt. I think you give up on that right away. Uh, yeah, they brought back the Michael Jarrett guy. I, I'm going to mess up his name. I'm not even going to try it. Jack Wood or whatever it is uh, for the practice squad. Maybe that's the guy that you they promote. What about Jalen Mills? You and I talked about it multiple times. Even back – dating back to Episode 3 of Eagles Brawl when we had you on, you've mentioned that you could see Jalen Mills play corner – Outside corner this year. It looks like it may happen. Ed even james Schwartz brought it up during his presser You think that's the move that they should do? They see we see more Jalen Mills at outside corner this week and then uh Will Parks. I mean, uh I guess we're not gonna see him this week.
0: No. No. They haven't, okay, they so haven't, they haven't. activated him from the IR yet. so um, that's rough. So
3: you play Jalen Mills at corner,
0: you're playing Marcus Epps at safety, Kayvon Wallace. I mean, I don't know if you're even gonna give Kayvon Wallace a chance. Well, that's the issue. I mean, let's see what Kayvon Wallace can do. I mean he's Played at a high level at Clemson, you know, mm-hmm. one of the best college football teams in the country for the last couple of years. I mean, why not? But, you know, yeah, we, I'm with you know you. we asked Mills about that possibility. No one would say Slay, Mills, LeBlanc. We talked to them all this week. Nobody would say who's playing uh, opposite Slay. Um, Mills seemed to indicate that the coaches like him at safety, and he seemed that he would be surprised if they asked him to move back to corner um i don't think you go there yet uh i mean but you look at who they're going to line up opposite slay and who's it going to be are they going to put leblanc on the outside and play nrc and the you know nikel Ra- roby coleman uh, primarily in the slot or do they kind of rotate them in and out between the outside and the slot and then you hope they stay healthy you know if you have an in-game injury who's going to be your guy i mean i know graylin arnold um you know he's he could be a possibility to line up there again, another rookie and undrafted rookie at that. Um, but this is what they're reduced to. This is what they have to go with. I don't think they'll activate Michael Jaquette from the practice squad. Maybe they would, but I don't. I'm not sure of that. Um, I just think that they're going to have to roll with uh, LeBlanc and um, and and uh, Nikel Roby Coleman maybe flip-flop them from the outside to the corner and then hope you get Maddox back next week or the week after and LeBlanc and, and uh, NRC are doing the job. I mean, they are really not a lot of options. And like you said, maybe when Parks comes back, a guy you can trust to play safety, maybe you would move Mills there, but I don't think they're going to do that yet. I don't think they trust Epps. I'm not sure how they feel about Wallace, the rookie. Rookies, yeah. they don't really seem to give a lot of opportunity to, uh, to be honest with you. Um, early, so I'm not sure. I would throw Wallace in there and see what he can do. Why not? I mean, you're 0 2 1. It's time to pull out all the stops, it's time to find a way to win a game. And if that means taking chances with guys, then do it.
3: This is the week where you could probably get away with playing LeBron and Nicole Roby Coleman. Not saying that these are your great options, anyways, because Debo Samuel's back from injury and Brandon Ayuk is doing all these end arounds and. Re- rushing the ball and short yard the Kyle Shanahan type short yard uh short passing game stuff. They have the they don't have the size of wide receivers is what I'm saying. So this is probably the week that you could probably match up these small guys against these guys and just say this is what we got, this is what we got. So I do expect LeBlanc to line up outside and Nicole Rebecca to play a lot of more nickel and then vice versa, move them around. I'm just curious. I think this is the week where you could finally say, you know what, we could put we can line up Jalen Mills at safety. Yes. We could put him in some snaps of corner, too, as well. And then we can get Kayvon Wallace on the field and get him some NFL experience finally underway because, look, we got George Kittle this week and Nick Gary's going to be spun around like a candle. I, I I see what you have in Kayvon Wallace this week. I know this isn't a good matchup against George Kittle or anything like that for him as well, but uh, with the running game, the outside zone schemes, I want to see what my tackling safety and Kayvon Wallace can do because, again, this guy was one of the best tacklers in college football last year. I thought personally he was your most NFL-ready prospect, and you pretty much hit on the reason why Clemson is an NFL factory of talent right now. Uh, they're yeah. producing out NFL talent at an exceeding level. So I think he played for an NFL pedigree type program. I thought he was your most NFL-ready player on this team. Go ahead, throw him out there, see what he can do. This team can't tackle for crap as is. See yeah. what your what your one of your best tackling. Talented players can do in Kayvon Wallace at this point. Put him at the box safety, See what extra linebacker put in the dime package. Don't put Marcus Epps out there. Put Kayvon Wallace out there. See what he can do. I'm with you. I think that's one of the guys that has to play a lot. And then
0: Sean Bradley is the other guy. I think it's just. Well, that matchup with Kittle is scary. There's no doubt. I mean, look what Higby did for the Rams, scored three touchdowns, caught five. I I mean, you know, and, and Kittle is head and shoulders better than Higby. Um, <laughs> and Nick Mullins is going to be the type of guy that doesn't want to air it out that much. He's going to take the safe dump offs. And yeah, and Kittle, really, Kittle's great with the dump offs. Bradley showed no fear in camp. I mean, he hit people. He didn't care. He played at Temple, you know, Temple tough, whatever they say about Temple. I mean, I just, I think, I don't think the moment would be too big for him. I don't think that he would have stars in his eyes with George Kittle uh, trying to guard him. Um, if Gary's struggling early or if you don't have a scheme to stop Kittle, then make the in-game change. They're hesitant to do it. They don't play. Jim does not like to play rookies. He loves Jalen Mills. Um, I mean, to me, it's uh, you, like again, like I said, you have to, you have to pull out every single trick in your book or every matchup that you can think of to try to win this game. Uh, it's this is as must-win of a game as it gets.
3: Yeah, I like Dakota's even saying himself he thinks Kill is going to have a. A record breaking game against Kittle against Nick Gary. And I don't disagree because the guy cannot play. He's, he hasn't, he's given up every time he's been targeted so far in coverage, she's given up a reception.
0: Yeah. I mean, Teams they're just are picking on him easy. at will. Yeah. I don't blame him either. It's, the just, way they're going to have to bracket him somehow. Um, they're going to have to put Mills on him uh, and Gary. I mean, they're just going to have to be creative with how they approach the scheme to cover him. And when he catches the ball, you make sure he doesn't get the yards after catch. You bring him down right on the spot because they are, like you said, probably going to throw the ball that Mullins is going to take the short stuff, and that means Kittle, and you hope that he doesn't turn, you know, a five- or six-yard catch into a 22-yard gain. Uh, so you got to – Not try- holding my breath, buddy. I'm not holding my breath with that one. I know
3: that it's way easier said than done with this team because they yeah. cannot tackle. I think that's been the biggest glaring issue. When When you're talking about missing Malcolm Jenkins as a leader, I completely understand that. But the one thing that they're actually missing from Malcolm Jenkins that no, nobody on this team has set up in this aspect at all is tackling. This team cannot tackle. Outside of Malcolm Jenkins, because Malcolm Jenkins was a consistent 100-plus type tackler player, this team does not have a, a tackler on this team. even McLeod misses a ton of tackles. Nick Gary misses a ton of tackles. <laughs> this issue with the tackling has been glaring with this team for years, and they got rid of their best tackling asset this offseason.
0: I... I, the, whole, the whole the whole linebacker group, I mean, they've really let a lot of important pieces go there. And Hicks and Nigel and Camus, I mean, those guys played a lot. Now you look at their linebacker, they're all guys on rookie contracts. You know, there's no real right. experience in that middle. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the tackling hasn't been the best in the last two games, although Schwartz said he liked how they tackled against Washington. But uh, to me, it's just that linebacking core is so – Inexperienced, um, that for them to think that they could win games with a a soft middle like that is beyond me. Even the thing, the thing is, if you bench Nate Gary, I don't. I
3: mean, I don't think they would put. I don't think they bench Nate Gary, anyways. To be honest with you, it's unfortunate. I think they think they literally think that he's the only person on this team that could play three down linebacker. I think that's what they think. I think that if you put. If you put Sean Bradley in, you probably replace him with Duke Riley, is what they would probably do, I would assume. Duke Riley's snaps have been decreased
0: every single week. I mean, he only. Because he's awful, and he's not good either. He's he's not good. good. I mean, you know, and you have Edwards, who, you know, he's not a great cover guy. I mean, again, I know I keep preaching Bradley, and maybe he's not the answer, but let's see. Let's see what he's got. Let's see what he can do. To me, he looked, you know, unafraid of the moment in training camp. Um, He's got to be, he's going to be better. He's going to be better than what they have right now. And even if it's not that great, it's still going to be better than what they have right now. Well, then you grow him. You know, you give him – I mean, yeah, right out of the gate, he's not going to be Dick Butkus. He may never be Dick Butkus. But, I mean, you know, you grow the guy into his role. You know, sure, there's going to be growing pains. He's not going to be the answer in one game. But you give him the opportunity and you start to grow his snaps and you grow his role and you grow his confidence until he can be a very productive player for you.
3: Yeah, asking this team to develop young players is – Becoming a quite a challenge for Philadelphia Eagles nowadays, Ed. That's mm-hmm. the thing. I, it's really I, I we haven't seen them really develop a linebacker either. Jordan Hicks was established on the Chip Kelly era. Nigel Bradham was an established stretcher when he came in here. None of these young they they have a horrible time developing young
0: talent at the corner linebacker and wide receiver position as of late. But even L.J. Fort, I mean, where was the the misevaluation on him? You know, to let him go. Well, it's, it's Jim Schwartz. I don't think Jim Schwartz knows how to evaluate the linebacker position. I think
3: he was—I'm going to tell you right now—even with Buffalo, he didn't have the greatest. It was Brad and Preston Brown. Like that's not like they those guys aren't world breakers either. I think he was shadowed by having a guy like Keith Bullock in Tennessee, who is a Hall of Fame caliber linebacker. I think he was always been shadowed by that type of caliber linebacker. He's never really had to worry about the position or focus on the position as defensive coordinator, and it shows. I mean, DeAndre Levy in Detroit was an anomaly, I think, for him because DeAndre Levy was one of the guys he actually developed to become a great player. But again, that's another guy who even flourished when Jim Shores left under Terrell Austin as well. So I don't know if this guy can actually develop linebackers on this team. I don't don't think he has a good feel for the position whatsoever because I just remember going back to hearing that this this front office was all in on Jamie Collins. Uh, in 2019 offseason, that's the guy that they're targeting. And then Jim Schwartz says, no, we want Zach Brown. This is the guy that we should bring in is Zach Brown. And look how long that lasted. I don't think – I think Jim Schwartz is the disconnect and the problem there at the linebacker position.
0: Yeah, and you have to look at the position coach, Ken Flajol. I mean, what's he doing? I mean, it's really his I, responsibility to develop uh, these linebackers. Uh, it's his job. I mean, he's the position coach. So, uh, you know, Schwartz is and- the overseer of the whole defense. And, yeah, his input counts as far as per- personnel goes. Um, but Ken Flajole has had these guys, and he hasn't done much. And I like Ken; he's a good, good guy, a good coach. He seems like a good teacher. Um, but uh, there's something missing there because they're not developing. And hopefully, Bradley and Taylor, they really need to develop Taylor. So hopefully, they get it right.
3: It's weird because Ken Flajole, and if Corey Ulan doesn't get that DC job in Detroit, he's probably still here in Philadelphia. They, oh, yeah. yeah, they give they give these guys. The longest leash is Ken Joe and Corey Underlin, whereas the defensive line coach changes every year, and then the wide receiver coach seems to change every year. I don't understand like why they why the expectations are different for those guys. Yeah, you know, when you go to when you go to DBs with corners have never been good, and Corey mm-hmm. Undlin gets the long he he survived the Chip Kelly firing, and mm-hmm. then you go to, to linebacking. Ken joe has been here ever since Doug Peterson started and Jim Short started. And then defensive line has been Chris Wilson, has been Phillip Daniels, now it's Matt Burke. Wide receiver coach, we could go on. So many wide receiver coaches there. I don't know what is – what the this I, I, the scapegoats that this team chooses to pick is weird because the funny thing is we all killed and hated Mike Groh and pushed him out of town as fast as we could, but Indianapolis and Frank Reich didn't wait two seconds to bring him in as, as OC there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think he brought him in as He brought him as a wide <laughs> receiver coach. But did, he didn't waste any time to bring him in Uh I don't know I, it's weird the, the, the people that they choose to blame seem to be the wrong people each time because again the constants are always remain the the linebacker struggle Ken Vujo stays the defense struggles Jim Schwartz stays I don't know man yeah, the it's DB weird
0: struggle and Corey would Corey have stayed yeah because like I, you stayed. agree with me
3: if if Detroit doesn't offer him the DC job he's he's still the DB coach here it's probably not Mark Emanuel
0: Yeah, and yet Philip Daniels, the D line coach, the D line played pretty well last year. I mean, yet he's gone, and you know Jim Schwartz's buddy Matt Burke takes over. So I don't know, questionable moves. No, no doubt. Were you in the Matt?
3: Were you? Did you happen to be at the Matt Burke press conference?
0: Yeah, I was. What did you?
3: Were you? What do you think? Uh,
0: What do I think? I mean, I I, you know I think he's still getting a feel for his guys. I mean, um, you know, he talked talked up everybody. You know, I mean, look. They had eight sacks as a team last week. That's pretty good. Um,
3: Cincinnati O line. I mean, I know. I'm, ADL not, ADL line. I'm glad that they produced because they had to. Yeah. They had to. If they didn't, then I would be like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. And, and
0: look, I mean, Javon Hargrave's been banged up. Now he's kind of hitting his stride. Now Cox was banged up. I mean, you know, you're dealing with a lot of things up front, but, you know, I think he's just kind of feeling his way along with some of these players. And, um, you know, Barnett played a good game last week, I thought, the two sacks. I mean, he did what he had to do. Um, and you just hope you can grow on that performance. Yeah, you have to going forward. Yeah.
3: But what's your feeling going into this game, my friend? Do you think the 49ers win?
0: Well, I mean, I picked the Bengals to win last week, and I was close. <laughs> Very <laughs> but, close. You're um, off by a point. To yeah, be 24-23. It was 23-all. So um, I think I picked it 28-17 San Francisco. Um, again, I just think that you know shortage of weapons, not enough time to get on the same page first real road trip I mean, I know there's not a whole lot of home field advantage, but I'll say this about going on the road is it used to be kind of a rallying spot for players to build their camaraderie and chemistry they'd go out to dinners, and the rookie would pay, and you know they'd get together for team meetings they'd have fun with each other, but you can't do any of that on the road now, so you know, these players are all going to be sitting around their hotel rooms by themselves, isolated. You wonder how that's going to impact them. Um, I could see them coming out stale and flat and getting behind early and never catching up and then losing by 11. 28 17, Niners. Fine. All
3: right. I mean, that's a good point that I? I haven't heard anybody bring it up yet is the fact that like, these guys really can't really, there's no team bonding. There's no, no chemistry no. building, really. I think clearly affecting the offense. Yeah, and you clearly. have
0: to stay in your hotel room. You know, I understand they're, each players getting their own room. Uh, I think they're using two planes to get out there. I mean, you look at how this COVID has hammered Tennessee, 16 players or coaches that have tested positive. Now Cam Newton's out uh, in New England uh, with the positive test. I mean, you got to be smart, and the Eagles have been smart so far. I mean, they've shut guys down when they've come in with the sniffles. they Keep them away from the building, list them as the illness. Nobody's tested positive, but now you have a real challenge getting on an airplane, flying across country, and you have to make sure you're following the protocols and you're not going out. You're gonna be stuck in your hotel room. And, you know, we've all traveled alone, I guess. You know, you know how that sucks to sit around your hotel room. You want to get out, you want to go sit in the lobby, you wanna, you know, do something, but these players aren't gonna be allowed to do it. They're gonna be chained to whatever screens they have, their phone, their television. And that's it. They're going to virtual meeting. They're going to get on their laptops and they'll do their virtual meetings. Maybe they'll do small group meetings in a conference room with masks and shields and gloves and they'll see each other then. But, you know, this is a whole new challenge now for them. They went to Washington, completely different road trip, obviously, than it is to San Fran. So we'll see how they adapt to that. See if they can come out motivated, energized and ready to play because they can't come out flat because they'll get behind early and they're going to lose. Yep. I agree with you completely. I'm uh, I'm going to pick against them this week
3: for once because hopefully that will end the curse. Hopefully me, <laughs> begin, me hopefully me being the homer, uh, stopping the homer this week will help them win finally. Yeah. But I appreciate you coming on. Great info yeah. and insight as always. That's a great great way to end the show is thinking, wow, this team's lack of chemistry probably stems from the fact that, you know, this COVID is really keeping them apart. This is a whole new offensive skill player position when you think about it because Deshaun's not out there. God, not out there. Or just being double covered and taken out of game plans. Carson needs to get, get it going with these guys. They got to start building, but they really can't. COVID's really restricting the
0: way that they can build chemistry right now, but yeah, yeah we're not going to
3: give them the excuses. We're just, it's just a good thing to point out and start thinking about.
0: Yeah. And this road trip is going to be a challenge just to see if they can, you hope they don't come back and start testing positive. Um, that's the thing is you got to stay clean and who knows where the NFL is going to go now if players start to pop up positive like Cam Newton. That's a that's a huge loss for New England. Um, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. for New England going into Kansas City. So not to have your starting quarterback. That's a that's tough. I mean, we'll, we'll see how the NFL reacts to all this positive testing stuff that's going on.
3: All right, guys, stay tuned to Ed Cross's and John McMullen's articles on the Eagles Sports Illustrated page. Again, Ed, as always, is a big internal part of the show. He'll see him whenever he decides to come on the show. But mostly these Saturdays are working out pretty well for us right now. We're doing pretty well with these things. So, Yeah, next Saturday will
0: be more challenging. I'm I'm going to be driving out to Pittsburgh Saturday probably in the morning at some point. So we'll figure something out. We'll
3: figure something out. That's fine. Thank you, Ed. I appreciate that. As You're always, I appreciate you coming on and dedicating your time to the Eagles, bro, man. Thank you for no joining problem. the show. Thank you for everybody for tuning in. We'll see you soon.
2: Clorox knows you want your clothes smelling fresh and clean, but what happens. That's why we created Clorox Fabric Sanitizers, to freshen up your clothes between washes, pre-treat extra stinky laundry, and make sure every last odor comes out in the wash. Clorox Fabric Sanitizers take care of all that and eliminate 99% of odor-causing bacteria. Plus, they're bleach-free and safe for all colors and fabrics. When it counts, trust Clorox. Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months, all year round. So order your Filtry air filters today at filtry.com. Let's clear the air.
1: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you.